and welcome to yet another episode of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. Uh, I'm Joe, and with me from an undisclosed location in quarantine is Nick. Yes, still. Uh, but almost done. So yeah, I almost. Hear. This it's is good. great. I got to see the doctor today. Yeah. Dude, it was great. Honestly, the, the l- best doctor's test I've ever had in my life. Did they actually test you? Because I know like nobody can get tests unless you're a fucking rich person or, or like a basketball player right now. So. Oh, yeah. I got an ocular pat down. You got an ocular pat down for a virus. Yes. Uh, so in case anybody is not... Uh, they gave me a uh, mask. An always sunny person. Uh, that, that means that they just kind of looked at him. They gave me a mask. They saw I didn't have a <laughs> fever. They had me six, six feet away from somebody. I was good to go. Should be out tomorrow, hopefully. That's good. I mean, I, you, I would expect some. They would have tested you by now. No, uh, they can't. Fu- yeah, of course they can't. Uh, so this is part four of our French invasion of Russia series. Uh, if you want to start now, that's actually. I have a feeling that some people will start now because the biggest battle of the entire war will be covered in this episode. Um, but uh, go back and listen to the other three uh, so or you can know everything. Hold off on it. Wait till the end. Go back to the beginning. Have snippets of the end again and just keep going from where you left off from the beginning. You should actually listen to the entire series backwards so you can hear messages from Satan. Uh, that, that's what I'm hoping. That's a fucking party. <laughs> so when we left you last week, uh, the French Grand Army was uh, had finally cornered the Russians in the city of Smolensk and were uh, priming Smolensk. to lay siege. Yeah. Sounds uh, like it smells. I mean, it's about to smell real bad. Uh, Napoleon kept holding on hope that the Russians would sally forth out of the city and fight him in the open field. <laughs> Is because, that, was that a command? Uh, I, I only remember that from Total War because like when someone put uh, besieged you, you had the, you had the option to uh, fight or sally forth. Command it and is. It was always really, really stupid. Um, it was always much better just to auto battle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Napoleon's kind of dumb here because why would anybody march out in the field and fight him? Uh, he has these, at, at this point, the strongest army in the world. And uh, it, it should be noted that the Russians absolutely did not want to do that. Uh, Bagration and Barclay, the two main Russian commanders, had both managed to actually withdraw out of the city and pull behind it on like there's there's a river behind it and then a hillside. And they kind of just sat up on the hillside and, and watched. Oh. And and they left command to the city to this poor bastard called Doktorov, um, mostly because they knew nothing good was going to happen in that city. Did they like that guy? Um, Probably. Maybe not. I don't know. Barclay probably hates everybody that works for the Russian army at this point. Their whole point was when they retreated, uh, well, tactically withdrew out of the city onto that hilltop, uh, it was to keep the routes of retreat open uh, for the main force that was in the city. Uh, they didn't want Doktorov to like fight to the last man or anything. Well, let me rephrase that. Migration absolutely wanted Doktorov to fight to the last man. Uh, Barclay knew that shit was dumb. Uh, but yeah, their whole point was to keep uh, routes of retreat open. Ah, I see. Now, the beginning of the battle led to a strange scene um, because there is one river that cut through the area. And if there's one thing that anybody has learned from the last three hours or so of the show is that the French army really needed to clean water um, and, you know, various other things, but mostly water. So they didn't die. Uh, and the, the river was clean or as clean as a, a city runoff in 1812 could be. So they were leading like their horses down there to drink and they ran into Russian soldiers leading their horses down there to drink. Oh, do they just go? All right. Truce this time. We're thirsty. Yeah, actually they did. Uh, like they just kind of like talked to one another, traded cigarettes and, uh, and traded like cool alcohol. hats. Uh, probably, and like just kind of hung out for a little bit. Um, and then at, when they realized they had to go, they had like bid everyone good luck, and then pulled back to their positions, turned their cans around, started shooting at one another because that they're ar- they're the artillery. That is fucking <laughs> cool. <laughs> like aim a little low. We don't want to hit Peter. <laughs> yeah, he gave me this cool tricorn. <laughs> now, uh, around now, first of all, tricorns are very out of style by 1812. Let's get that shit right. It's probably a shako. All right, let's just fucking <laughs> calm down here. If we're talking hats, all right, gotta get that hat game on point. Uh, so around 200 guns were uh, uh, were firing into the city uh, as entire. There's three entire army corps 
along with uh, like an entire army band behind them dropping sick beats. Uh, they all a- assaulted the city while the while the city is being shelled because they're kind of stupid. But also remember that the last episode that their shoes have all w- wasted and fallen off. So the, while they're wearing their dress uniforms to go into battle, almost all of them are barefoot. <laughs> that fucking blows. And I'm the type like, of guy, if I step on a pebble, I'm done for the day. Oh, definitely. Uh, like it, it, Just imagine an entire field of Legos you have to march through. Oh. And I mean, there's I'll probably a good myself. chance that some of them did. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a good chance that someone like tied cloth or whatever around their feet or looted shoes from dead soldiers that had fallen by the wayside. But there's a good chance a fair amount of them were completely barefoot. Just nail uh, horseshoes. And, <laughs> and remember, they're also all starving to death and riddled with disease. So, like, they're probably shitting their dress uniform full barefoot and like hoping they could shoot a Russian and then eat him real quick because none of them have been been fucking eaten in days that fucking sucks now there's a problem with all this Uh, Napoleon as we said wanted the Russians to meet them in the field Uh, but there's there's several reasons for that both he and Barclay knew that his army was better in the open but also because Napoleon remember his plan was to meet the army in the field beat it and then be like see Alex, we can be bros again. So he never planned to besiege anything, which, yeah, like President Trump, he forgot that you can just use ladders to climb a wall. So he brought none. You don't need none. He brought nothing to besiege a city. So his troops stormed through the outer suburbs of the city, made it to the city walls, and then were just forced to try to climb the motherfucker with their bare hands. Like World War Z. Yeah, or like, fuck, they watched the free Solo movie on Netflix. Like, don't worry, I got this. Where's my chalk? Oh, yeah, no. or- could you imagine? <laughs> like, a, the like, whole army is just free Solo climbing? Like, that's so sick, but it's really easy to shoot them now. But we shoot- can't. We just have to respect the art. I bet all of their names are Brent. Uh, and they all went to USC. Uh, so like they made human ladders when their hands failed because remember these guys are all starving to death. They don't have the strength to like go arm over arm on a brick wall. So they just climbed on each other's shoulders. Um, hup, 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 hup. <laughs> hup, ho, hup. just like throwing them up. <laughs> just like we practice in trapeze class. Uh, this led the Russians on the other side of the river, um, uh, uh, under the command of Barclay to open Ooh, fire. Wait, hold on. So you're ta- talking like feet on shoulders, man ass above head. Those yes. guys have been shitting themselves. Yes, absolutely. Ooh, so they're definitely shooting a good time on the bottom. <laughs> Why do I have to be the big guy? <laughs> I would definitely be on the bottom of the pyramid. You know, I'm like 6'3 and 240. Uh, one of, first of all, I would have been dead already. Well, here, here's what I would have <laughs> done. Some horrible disease. I would have shot myself immediately. I would have shot myself by day three. <laughs> like, I'm t- I, I would have shot myself when we got to the range before we even started going to Russia. Aha, uh-huh, you think they went to the range. <laughs> yeah, it's like... They qualified, uh, right? Absolutely not. These weapons don't even have sights on them. They're red on their fucking uh, range. Yeah, they're definitely red on their med pros uh, for all the dysentery. <laughs> for everything. Private Kasabian, why are you putting that musket to your face? You have only not eaten in four hours. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck this, I'm out. (laughs) So Barclay saw uh, like this wave of Frenchmen like throwing themselves at the wall. And he's like, I guess we should also shell the city because we'll hit them. And uh, Uh now... There's a there's a problem. We've we talked before about the French guns are a bit older. The Gribeval gun system has by definitely not revel, revolutionary anymore. And their crews were also a little less trained than the Russians, which is kind of surprising as Napoleon was an artillery oh, officer. Wow. Uh, but the rounds were falling short pretty regularly, right into their own troops. What? Uh, so that meant the French soldiers attacking the city were being shelled by both their own cannons and the Russian cannons. That is horse shit. <laughs> So the, uh, uh, to the artillery officer's credit, if you, if we can give them any credit, they're like, hmm, our they cannons are, are working. Something. Yeah, they're, we're killing soldiers, all right? Um, <laughs> queen of battle, guys. Or, or king of battle, whichever, I don't remember. Uh, they bring a mortar out. Yeah, it's the king of battle. Uh, but also the king of buddy fucking. Um, <laughs> so they're like, well, our, our cannons. So the cannons that I'm talking about aren't artillery. Obviously, it's 1812. These are direct fire weapons. Uh, they're not firing at an arc. 
So they bring in mortars uh, to fire over their troops and into the city. Uh, and they're like, okay, that'll get around. That'll, that'll get around this whole fratricide thing. Uh, now, Smolensk was a city mostly made of wood. Ah, <laughs> oh, I see. So when the mortar shells exploded into the city, the whole fucker caught off on fire. And like it, the, and the wind was kind of strong that day, so it turned the fire into a firestorm that spread throughout most of the entire city, killing thousands of civilians. Oh my god. Now, it also killed a lot of the Russian defenders as well, and this horrified fucking everyone, even French troops who were horrified. Like, the, the <laughs> artillery <laughs> officers stopped firing because they're like, oh my god, what have we done? I wonder if one of them was like, ah, yeah, first try, got it. Uh, well, that one guy would be Napoleon, uh, who, watched, who watched the entire thing and declared it a grand spectacle. Napoleon is kind of an asshole. Nailed it. First try. <laughs> And, you know, this might sound like, you know, if this is World War II or World War I, or even some of the older wars, it would not be that unheard of, like, especially like you know, medieval times, Romans, whatever. It was super common to completely sack a city and burn it to the ground. Kind of not common in 1812. Like, remember, it's supposed to be gentlemanly warfare. You don't slaughter civilians by the thousands. Yeah, like rules and shit. Yeah, and they're rules that Napoleon respected until he was pissed off and in Russia and hadn't washed himself in a month. Not even, He didn't have a wash wagon? With all the uh, wagons he, he brought? You know, you're right. He definitely had a... He had an entire wagon that was like a bath. If anybody was not was covered in their own like, shit... dude it was, that had to scrub him down. Yeah, and it was probably heated with his own body warmth. Here, <laughs> <laughs> go do jumping jacks and jump in the emperor's pool. Fuck. Um, now, this went on for two days. The, the siege, not the jumping jacks. Um, Ooh, that and, Napoleon, and Napoleon gained nothing. Um... He was still on the outside. The city was burning to the ground and the Russian defenders were burning alive along with civilians while fighting the French off and also trying to put the city at which they mostly succeeded. How did um, they put it out? I, I imagine buckets. I think there's a bucket brigade also like uh, they made sure buildings collapsed onto themselves rather than spreading it, uh, spreading the fire because it was mostly contained to the old city section. Um, I still so, like picture dudes just all in single file passing buckets. Well, also, like, oh, somebody grab a musket. I see a French guy come over the top. Yeah, just in case. We're just hitting him with a bucket. Yeah. Also, <laughs> also pouring buckets of water on the French. Um, but the French going like, yes. <laughs> For the love of God, do it again. Uh, please, I smell so bad. Now, Barclay uh, decided that enough was enough. Uh, he, had de- he had defended the city. He had set out what he, what he had set out to do, which was actually fight the French, which, if you remember, everybody demanded that he did so. Uh, even though he did not want to do it in the first place. So he ordered the troops under Doctoroff to retreat out of the city, but finish burning the city down. Oh. <laughs> so the French could have it. <laughs> well, it's already kind of charred a little bit. It turns out the French did most of the work for us, suckers. Um, <laughs> uh, and they also had to blow the bridges up behind them across the river. Uh, now, this as with most orders that uh, Barclay gave during this time was incredibly unpopular. As we've kind of pointed out, uh, military leaders in the 1800s cared more about honor than common sense and thought they must defend this tactically pointless city to the last drop of blood, especially the Russian noblemen. Some of this unpopularity, as we have talked about, is because Barclay was German, not Russian. So Russian nobles thought he was a traitor of some kind. Uh, a duke, a Russian duke, booted open the door of Barclay's command post and insulted him to his face by calling him, quote, a sausage maker. Ooh. De- cuts deep, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess the term kraut hadn't been invented yet. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's some good sausages that I would like. I think maybe, I mean, obviously he's German, so he's a German sausage, whatever, but also maybe because he was calling him, because Barclay wasn't a noble. Uh, he, would, he would eventually have made a Russian noble, but he was not a German noble. So he's also calling him a commoner. Um, the next morning, the French moved into the burning city full of corpses and little else. Uh, while the French uh, took the city, they had won nothing. They failed in their attempt to crush the Russian army. The city that was captured was little more than a graveyard and a pile of ashes, and they still could not re- resupply themselves. Uh, The French and Russian armies suffered about the same casualties, but by this point, being wounded in the French army, normally a grim idea in the first place, because it is 1812, was now virtually a death sentence. Uh, The medical corps had completely run out of supplies, uh, 
and the supplies and were, were pretty much just booze and like linens to wrap. Good enough. And a saw to chop off legs. Oh, the bone guy. So Napoleon decided to put his hands in uh, and, and make everything worse. Uh, he was unable to give the wounded any supplies, so he decided to give them money. Now, this actually goes back uh, a little bit. It was pretty common. It was, it, he did this in his old campaigns when he was in Italy and Austria because it meant that while you know the army doesn't have supplies for you, but it can use this money to go buy food and whatever you need out in town or send somebody to buy it for you. It was, um, I guess you could say it was a good idea if you were completely detached from the situation. Uh, because Russia was hard and um, and awful, and giving them money made them a target um, for murder and robbery from their own comrades. Oh. <laughs> also, there was nowhere to spend the fucking money. So, like, you just did that for no reason. Do you think the dude that gave out the money, he was like, here you go, and then he mugged him later? He, like, told his friend, he's like, hey, if you kill that guy, we'll split it. I, I feel list. like he just did it immediately. Like, he's like, here you go, and then he pulls out a gun. I mean, they're fucking wounded in 1812. You don't got to do much except just like wait 20 minutes and they'll fester from gangrene and die. It's you get it's not even a long con here. Just give it give it some time. Nah, I'm not patient. <laughs> I need my money now so I can spend it nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, while all this was going on, elements of the French army began to march towards Moscow. While doing so, they ran to a Russian division under the command of General Osterman Tolstoy. Nice. Um, now. They, they was pretty close to the city of Smolensk, so the French immediately thought this is a counterattack to retake the city. But it wasn't. Uh, they'd actually gotten lost on their way to the city, marched in circles for the last 10 hours, and had no idea that Smolensk had even been captured. Smolensk. So they just, like, walked into, oh, fuck, the French, and the French were also like, oh, fuck, the Russians. Nobody had any idea what was happening. Now, this actually would have been a really great opportunity for the French to quickly surround and destroy them because, hey, we caught a uh, Russian element out in the open. Right. But but the general put in charge of maneuvering around them was suffering from heat stroke, and he was too delirious to carry out his order. So they also <laughs> got lost. <laughs> <laughs> I see a Coke vending machine. I'm sun drunk. <laughs> uh, so, so Osterman Tolstoy was able to escape. Uh, the lost soldiers, uh, the, the lost Russian soldiers, since I have to differentiate, now everybody's lost, also joined up. They found 30,000 other soldiers around Valentina Gora uh, under the command of General Tuchdov. And they're like, hey, we're still here. Just come and join us. Um, and pretty much all Valentina Gora was. Is, nice. It, they joined was, Tuch's Rough Riders. They, they found uh, an area like, hey, if they start marching towards Moscow, they have to come through here. So we'll delay them so Moscow has time to prepare for the incoming, you know, French army. So do you remember when I was talking about how much of a micromanager Napoleon was? Right. Yes, of course. So the same goes for his command style, uh, like actively on the battlefield. He always commanded oh, from the front and rarely delegated tasks to his staff. This was not the case anymore. Uh, now, we have brought we have said before that he is getting older. He's sick. Uh, there's there's some uh, theories that he was already suffering from stomach cancer, which would eventually kill him um, in, in, a, in quite a few years. So that was sapping his strength. Uh, he also apparently suffered horribly from hemorrhoids, um, which made it harder and harder for him to sit on his horse for a long period of time. Um, yeah. His butt said. <laughs> I got the butt pimples. <laughs> oh. I feel I mean, like when he Napoleon leads from the front, he probably looks like Mickey Mouse when he's orchestrating. Uh, probably. Uh, he uh, there's there's firsthand accounts of him riding up and down the line and like telling like you know division commanders exactly what to do and like getting holes shot in his pants and stuff like that. Um, he, he's the type of guy to go to the first aid station and accidentally bump into everybody's wound and like pat him on their wound. He's trying to give someone an attaboy and pats him on the fresh stump. Yeah. But he's the emperor. Somebody can tell him not to do that. <laughs> They're like, oh, thanks, sir. <laughs> Please stop thanking me. <laughs> yeah. So he hand waved away the command of uh, of the assault on Valentina Gora to Murat, which, as we know, is a bad idea. Uh, to be fair, he was seconded by Marshal Ney, who uh, was not as bad at his job as Murat. Though I will come back to eat those words later on. Ney does not have a great. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it, it, He's problematic uh, later on in this war. 
so um, he would they they would take command of the assault on Valentina Gora, but Murat thought that this could be handled the same way he handled everything else through a frontal cavalry charge. Um, the problem was that the Russians had the high ground, which is bad uh, if you were yep. leading a cavalry charge. It was also overlooking a swamp, a pretty deep swamp at that. So the weak horses, remember, the horses now are hardly cavalry worthy. Like Their charge is a trot now because if they move any faster, they will die, which thankfully Miraz fine with. But the horses went into this deep swamp and kind of slowed down to a crawl and got stuck, which made them incredibly easy targets. Uh, the Russians shot them to shit for a few hours um, and then just kind of like, all right, time to go. You know, we we slowed them down. The high ground. So good. Um, you see, the, the, the Russians weren't trying to win. They were just trying to slow them down and they succeeded. They didn't need to stick around and wait to get flanked oh, and get destroyed. It's almost like Obi-Wan Kenobi when he took out Anakin because he had the high ground. He just slowed him down. Darth Vader came back. And the Russians also had lightsabers. They, the history books tend to leave that part out. Their metachlorian count was much higher than the French counterparts. I'm really surprised you know what that is because you do not watch Star Wars. I am reaching to my depths of Star Wars lore right now. <laughs> <laughs> and the, in two words, I'm, I'm already out. Um, so when the Russians retreated, they did technically cede a tactical victory to the French, which will become common. Already is common. But... It was a tactical victory over nothing. Like, we won the field, but we didn't win shit. It was a type of war that nobody was really used to, you know? Everybody was supposed to be happy that they took the, the battlefield, but it's like, but we didn't accomplish any of our goals. And, and officers like, shut up, we won. Yeah. And this time, the French managed to lose significantly more men than the Russians. Now, it wasn't, you know, people had started to ask questions. Like, why wasn't Napoleon here to take command of this battle? Uh, so Napoleon had to quickly um, sweep all that under the rug. You know, he can't take any, any personal blame. So he, in order to turn that into a victory, he did just that. He called them all heroes. They won the day. The battlefield's theirs. So he started mass uh, promoting people and giving nice. out legions of honor until everybody was happy again, which was something he did a lot. Everybody like, you know just that? gets awesome awards. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, he had to make the soldiers feel good about themselves. I think I'd rather have water. I Yeah, I think I'd rather not be in Russia. This is like that meme of, like, where the leaking water container and someone slaps duct tape over it. Yeah, <laughs> but there's still a hole in the duct tape. Yeah, and it's the water, except you just put your mouth to the hole because you haven't drank water in a week. <laughs> now, it, it quickly became clear that Napoleon really had no idea what to do next. Uh, he had marched the most powerful army ever assembled deep into Russia, had taken a major city. He had technically beat the Russian army in the field every time they met one another. But his galaxy brain genius plan simply wasn't working. Because for his plan to work, the Russians had to accept that, like, his plan. Uh, I, th I huh? think this, like, it, for his plan to work, the Russians had to be like, oh, okay, so they want to fight in the open. Let's go do that. Okay, gotcha. Like, it makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, the Russian army was still opposing him and, and the czar, like he had promised, refused to negotiate as long as the French troops are on Russian soil. Another problem was he had led his army into nothingness. Smolensk was a corpse of a city and they couldn't even camp there. It would do nothing for them, but retreating was something that could not be entertained. He couldn't even think of it because that would be a dishonor. Right. Napoleon had effectively led himself into a trap because the way his brain worked, literally the only thing he could do was keep advancing. Despite everyone knowing him included that this was a really fucking dumb idea. I mean, it's the Russians really didn't do much to beat Napoleon. Napoleon beat Napoleon really well. I mean, I could beat myself up pretty well. <laughs> this, it's just Napoleon, this, the scene from Fight Club where he's kicking his own fucking yeah. ass. Except every time he punches himself, he kills like 20,000 soldiers. Ooh. Napoleon handled this about as well as he'd handled everything else up to that point. He screamed at everyone and anyone around him uh, about everything, blaming everyone else for his fuck-ups. He began to beat his soldiers with a riding crop when they pissed him off, which is what? Which is interesting because he, I, for as much as I could find, had never fucking done that before. You're telling me he patented his own guys? Oh yeah, yeah. And remember, you know, he's supposed to be the 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 soldiers' general, right? 
and everybody loved him because how well he treated his soldiers. I have read a little bit from when um, he was an officer in Italy um, when he won a lot of glory when he you know helped during the the revolution and stuff like that. I couldn't find much about him beating his soldiers, which leads me to believe he didn't do it. And even though it was common, but like he was doing it now, he's beating the fuck out of people. Maybe he was the one getting beat up. Didn't want to put that in the story, obviously. But now he's, you know, the emperor can't beat up an emperor. I mean, he was a noble before he was. I mean, he was a very, very minor noble. Yeah, but maybe there were some jock nobles and he was the nerd noble. Eh, he went to a pretty uh, he he went to uh, the same French military school as most other people the day did. Uh, but if you were a soldier and you laid your hand on an officer, you get shot. Uh, so you just kind of took your ass whooping. Um, I mean, there's a good chance that maybe he did do it. And a lot of Napoleonic history is kind of skewed. Napoleon's seen in something of a decent light for for a lot of people, as long as you're not um, British. So um, it's it's hard to tell. But it is interesting that the emperor is going around beating people with a stick. That's awesome. Um, so at this point, Napoleon decided that he could force the entire Russian army into battle if he attacked Moscow, which remember, he kind of sort of already decided he was going to do, but not really. He wasn't committing. It was like when you ask your girlfriend, what do you want to watch? And I don't care. Uh, oh, that's a whole thing. Cause then I want to watch something that I know for a fact she doesn't want to watch. Cause I like to watch really cool stuff Except like no. league of Incur- of Something gentlemen, fuck, I can't even remember that. Nobody likes to watch that for some reason. I don't know the why. League of, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, because it's a fucking terrible movie. It made Sean Connery quit acting, which is impressive. Chappy. Multiple times, yeah. But I admit it's a bad movie. I like it. Now, at this point, it, it, it's his general's like, so we're going to Moscow. He's like, eh, we'll figure it out when we get there. We'll cross that bridge once we get there. Yeah, it, it's like when you lose something, so it's like, well, it's around here somewhere. That doesn't fucking help! <laughs> Like, uh, well, we'll we'll see if we, uh, you know, we invade Moscow, you know, whatever. But that's when he finally decided he was going to do it. The problem was Moscow is 250 miles away. He also knew he he only had at most about two months to make it work. His entire plan, Um, because the Russian weather when winter set in would make campaigning impossible, even for someone that was okay with soldiers starving to death or being killed by freakish storms of insects. Yeah. The Russian weather put on its Russian uniform. And to be fair, the Russian winter had already been kicking his ass pretty good. So he's like, well, I really don't want to see what winter would do. Um, everybody in Napoleon's court told him this is a supremely bad idea. All of his marshals said no, except Murat, to be fair. Murat never said no. Uh, pretty much everybody's like, we have to stop. We have to go back. Uh, if we start marching now, we'll get out of Russia before winter hits. So he insulted everybody that opposed his idea and told them to fuck off back to Paris if he thought his plan was bad. So it's it's literally you're either with me or you're going back home, All which right. probably which probably <laughs> means you're going to prison and bad things are going to happen to you. Is now, would you say is, prison would be worse than Russia? Well, some of them survived. <laughs> mm. I imagine being an enemy of the emperor in prison, you're not going to survive the next year and a half, uh, which is about about as long as he has left on the throne at this point, actually a little bit less than that. And also the downside is if you did survive and when the bourbon restoration happened, the bourbon King was definitely going to kill you. So like, eh, it's, it's hard to tell. Um, now the officers in Napoleon's camp were kind of split. The officers who had been with him for years, um, had been kind of pushed to the back at this point. Because they were like, this is a bad idea. We shouldn't do this. And you know, when he told them you can fuck off back to Paris, they all stayed. But their their time as a favorite was done, which is a problem. They're the most experienced officers in the army. Uh, but Napoleon surrounded himself with newer, more enthusiastic officers. Um, now, Heinrich Brunt was one of those new officers. Yep. Strong, young, and tight new officers. Ugh, I'm going to skip right past that. Uh, <laughs> He said, quote, if we had been ordered to conquer the moon, we would have answered forward, which is not a great sign. That is a really dumb fucking thing to say, Heinrich. Uh, in, in short, they were all sycophants. They knew that if they continued to, like we talked about before, if we continue to fall in the point, we'll keep getting glory. Eventually, we'll become a marshal or whatever. He'll make me he'll make me nobility. They had, they had like put their entire cart onto the truck of Napoleon and um even when the older officers who had done the same thing effectively were like, nope, this is a step too far. Probably shouldn't do that. Not a good sign. Mm. 
uh, I mean, if an if one of your junior officers says, "Yeah, if you order me to invade the moon, I'll do it." Like it's a really dumb. That's a it's a problem. <laughs> like you cannot think for yourself. This is an issue. I try to trick all the new LTs into having me do stuff that I think is funny, but I want them to tell me to do it so then I could blame it on them. I mean, if it's pretty easy to do, they're lieutenants. Like I wanted to, uh, so I set up this slingshot in the office one day. I tried attaching the sledgehammer to it. I was like, "Hey, LT." You want to see if this will work? He's like, yeah, sure. Why not? I was like, are you telling me? Sucker. (laughs) And I went forth. You've activated my trap card. (laughs) It's one way to get away with something. Now, I think a lot of this attitude uh, in the French army of, you know, we'll just corner and beat them. They'll be the end of the war. Um, Or why are the Russians doing what they're doing? comes down to the French did not understand the kind of army that they were fighting. The French and their allies had been used to what I've talked about before, like gentlemen's warfare. People generally didn't hate each other, and enemies would even hang out between fighting, which kind of happened between the Russians and the French as well. Um, As one person said, they killed without hating, which is weird. Um, And I I feel like that's like a weird social consciousness thing that was deeply ingrained in dumb imperialism. But soldiers saw nothing of like nothing wrong with surrendering um if things were hopeless because knowing certain customs and courtesies and traditions um they would eventually just be let go home when the whole thing was over or even let go and rejoin the army when the battle was done so like well if we don't win i might not die i mean remember the the vast majority of soldiers that died in war did not die in combat so they thought like really combat was the least dangerous thing that they would do that's true so absolutely none of these things were the case in russia the russian army was tempered with a damn near genocidal warfare against the people of the Caucasus and the Turks. If you were captured, you would be murdered. Probably terribly. Oh. So, like, surrender was just not something that they understood. Furthermore, the, 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 the normal Russian soldier, unlike the normal French soldier, had no life outside the army. Remember, their service was effectively a life sentence. Their life was the army. They weren't going to go home. What was the contract? Like 20-something? 25 years. Yeah, And and remember, only 10% would see the end of it. And there's a very good chance you just get brought right back into the army in a time of emergency, like some of them had. So their attitude was much different. It's kind of like what the mythos that eventually surround the French Foreign Legion is. You know, the Legion is our homeland. The army is their life. We can't surrender. So they didn't. They fought to the death. Um, this led to a common saying about the Russian soldier of the time was he would have to be killed and then pushed over because he would just refuse to retreat without orders. The idea that they were just going to be slapped around into a lopsided piece was something that was absolutely never going to work. Something people slowly started to understand as the march towards Moscow began. Wherever the French army went, they found few roads that were still serviceable. Uh, because as the Russians retreated, they cut down trees um, or like dug giant holes, uh, whatever, to hinder their advance. These obstacles would take hours to clear. And it, um, then when they were done with that, they, they would look up and see the entire horizon lit up and burning as the Russian army set everything in front of them on fire. That's so depressing. It gets worse somehow. So we've talked about the like the shitty the heat and dust of Russia at the time. So the smoke mixed with that dust and it kind of made breathing impossible. Some people just suffocated and died. What? <laughs> the Russians kind of accidentally made toxic gas. They meant to do that. Yeah, probably. Um, through all of this, the French routinely fought a constantly retreating Russian rear guard action. It would deploy to fight the French, keep them rooted in place for a little bit and then withdraw again. While the Russians were finally getting the upper hand, infighting was gripping the command. So they couldn't really take advantage of this. They still weren't really in a position of like, all right, time to counterattack because they kind of still are weaker. Um, so people claim that the huge amount of non-Russian positions uh, in positions of authority were giving their plans over to the French because they're dumb. And they thought like, how could they know where all of our units are? Well, because you're defending Moscow. It's really easy to track down. Right. Um, Russians began to see spies and traitors everywhere. Um, and the Russians began to, uh, be to plot behind the scenes to kill their own comrades. And in many cases succeeded. What? How? Like they're, they're, 
Remember how we talked about all the French and Germans and uh, and everybody oh, else that were in positions yeah, of authority? Yeah, yeah. Like your division commander would like just get poisoned or whatever in his tent because he was German. And they were seeing all this because they were paranoid. While it might sound like there's a good chance like, oh, the Russians have to notice that they're winning. They totally didn't. They thought like, oh, if they get to Moscow, we are fucked. So they were panicking like they're about to get annihilated. Uh, so they started seeing spies and plots everywhere. And I mean, there probably were spies. Uh, there's always spies, but not like they thought. Somebody in the grassy knoll. <laughs> every every grassy knoll uh, is, 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 is sus. Uh, now, Barclay began to worry about his station. If he was going to get fired uh, and, and he thought, well, if I get fired, they're probably going to kill me at this point. So he was desperately trying to find somewhere he could finally give up the people wanted and order his army to stand and fight and prove that he was not a traitor, which is incredibly stupid. Could you imagine now if you got fired, you die? I mean, there was a good chance that he was going to be assassinated before he got fired because the czar really seemed to like him. But at the same time, if he did get fired in this situation, there's a good chance Bagration would have had him killed because Bagration hated his fucking guts. And also, Bagration was a goddamn prince. He's going to do whatever the fuck he wants. Like, yeah. Like, imagine, like, I got fired tomorrow. I die. Just take him out back. Get a new one. So, like, you got fired in Texas. Dead. Oh, man. I would have been killed so many times. You 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 had a lot (laughs) going on. (laughs) I'm like a cat. I got nine lives. Like a specialist with the DUI. I I won't go down. Now, uh, so, Barclay knew... Fuck, I got to come up with a plan. I got to fight these guys. Uh, so he started coming up with plans. Every single plan got shot down by Bagration, despite the fact that Barclay was in charge. Because Bagration, knowing that he was a very high-ranking noble, he, he knew he could just like, yeah, that plan's not going to happen. I'm not going to pass it along. So uh, he, and he, was, he was trying to get him fired. And there was a, there's some evidence that Bagration had people plotting to kill him too. Um, but... He was making his job impossible to do. Uh, so, you know, either or. Bagration had, uh, had a lot of cards on the deck. Uh, but, but Bagration was not alone in his hatred for Barclay. Uh, Russian nobles were spreading the hatred within the ranks and writing letters to the Tsar begging him to fire or even execute Barclay. When Barclay rode by his own troops, Russian soldiers called, called out, There goes the traitor! Ooh, that's he- bold. He is the commander in chief of the entire Russian that Imperial is Army. Bold. <laughs> Those guys wanted to die. I probably. <laughs> Some say they had nothing to lose. So uh, Barclay picked a spot to make a stand outside of Yasma, but the rear guard just couldn't hold on long enough um, so he could set up his position. So he had the rear guard go out, fight the French in, in their normal retreating pattern. But their plan was to delay long enough where we could dig in and fight the French off. Didn't work. Um, so that led to the Russian army to, again, withdraw. This made Moscow, the city, of, you know, the capital city, full of nobles and commoners, whatever, begin to be gripped with panic and terror um, because they thought the next step, like the French were going to be at the gates of Moscow. This led nobles to flee the city in mass or hide their wealth in the walls. Uh, so it couldn't be stolen. That's the first place I'm looking. It did not work, which we will get to. Uh, so uh, hilariously and kind of off topic, a German guy took this opportunity to grift the governor general out of a ton of money, claiming he could build a giant blimp that could fly over the French army and pour fire down onto them, like Greek, what? like liquid fire. He stole the money and disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome. I love that guy. Now, the blimps, blimps had been used. Um, like the arrow cores exists, existed at the time, but like nothing like that. They were like surveillance balloons that, that were like tethered to the ground. Uh, that'd be an awful job. And like, it's funny as the, as the, um, the French army gets closer and closer, everybody's asking the governor general where his blimps are. <laughs> where, where are my dragon blimps? I don't know. I, I gave that trust that trusting German guy a ton of money, and I haven't seen him in weeks. Did he have a glasses with a fake nose and a fake mustache? <laughs> so the same the same governor general is kind of a dickhead. Uh, he had anybody who spoke a language other than Russian uh, in Moscow drug out to the streets and beaten to death. What? So so like maybe he 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 deserved to get his money stolen from him. Wow, that's like when I go to your house and I say, hola, and yeah. you beating me. 
and then just beat you with a bat like yeah like i work for ice um Ooh. so <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile the czar finally caved to the endless stream of hate letters uh and fired barclay which you know it's just cancel cancel culture run amok in russia it's unfortunate uh <laughs> <laughs> he got like the first thing of ever like it he he got pre-internet viral infamous and fired all these nobles are saying that i should fucking fire you so i guess i have to um so he appointed Katuzov in his place. Now, if you remember, Katuzov um, was the guy that he had put in charge a long, long time ago in the last war against Napoleon. Uh, and the czar kept butting into his war plans, leading to a d- disastrous defeat and then the Tilsit Treaty. So he went back to Katuzov. The problem was at this point, Katuzov was almost definitely senile. <laughs> really? He was pushing 70 years old, which is old as fuck for 1812. Yeah. And- even Klausowitz thought the guy was losing his shit. He would never write anything down for fear of spies. Uh, he was which, just on the battlefield. I smell cinnamon rolls. <laughs> so, like the pro, like you've ever played the game of telephone? Yeah. So he's doing that with military orders because he refused to write anything down. He would order issue. He would he would issue orders to random people, regardless of rank. Uh, if he had a like. If he just thought of a plan, he'd point at like the nearest guy, like you muster the division. He's like, "Sir, I'm a private." He's like, "I gave you orders. Go." Spaceships on the lawn. Uh, car <laughs> hole is closed. Yeah, he is um, like fucking. You know, he's like a hundred years shy of blaming. Well, actually, he's not hundred years shy. He's like twenty minutes shy of blaming the Jews for everything. Um, Those goddamn globalists stole my war plans. Uh, Goldberg so he, was undefeated in the WWE. It's real to me, damn it! <laughs> uh, now the problem was, like, he would issue random orders at random times, leading entire divisions to march off without their commanders or without the rest of the army, all without nobody having any idea what was happening. I want Thai food. At other times, uh, he would uh, just change his mind, not tell anybody the plans to change, and then watch as half of the army wandered off, not knowing what was happening because the original plans had changed and nobody had been told. Yeah, never mind. I can go for some bagogi. That's two different regions, sir. (laughs) I give you orders. Fuck. Okay. So, Katuzov took command of his army and came to the same conclusion as Barclay that there's fucking no way that you should fight the French. (laughs) This guy's fucking nuts. (laughs) Which is amazing because he was like drooling like dim-witted and dumb and he's like no barclay was right this is a bad idea <laughs> drooling his brain from his nose just absolute tapioca brain dripping out of his fucking ears he thought you know maybe if we had some prep time like we dug in we might be able to make this work which again same plan barclay had so he picked a position close to the village of borodino to dig in trenches gun pits and walls would be built they cleared out everything in front of them to make open fields of fire and built redoubts that would all have to be assaulted one at a time and each redoubt could support one another if if it was being assaulted it's actually it's goddamn wow it would not look out of place in like the western theater of world war one now i say redoubts they were kind of like trenches kind of uh it's a word that they use they use a different word as well just think of them as bunkers uh, the only the only thing Katuzov was worried about was that he made the position too strong, and the French would simply have a good sense not to attack it, because he wouldn't have attacked it. He's like, nope, too strong, going around. However, this would not be a problem, because as we had pointed out, Napoleon was kind of dumb as hell. Miraz's scouts saw the Russians going to work and reported back to Napoleon, who screamed, quote, bon appetit. What? <laughs> Yep, because he, he, that's what he wanted. The Russians were lining up to fight him, despite the fact uh, they were, I see. They were I working. thought he was probably eating something. He also probably was eating something. He was kind of fat now, remember. Uh, or as they uh, uh, nicely point, he had become rotund. Oh, um, that's somehow worse. Even Murat at this point is like, yeah, we probably shouldn't attack that. <laughs> uh, he ordered his forces to attack the forward position, which had become known as the Chevrodino Shev- uh, Redoubt. Now it was a it was a much much further position forward. It was kind of a scout thing. Like you would have to attack this before you attacked everything else, and um, it was a good idea. It was a speed bump, sure. Napoleon but... should get with that German guy about blimps and fire. <laughs> I heard you had a good uh, good resume from the Governor General of Moscow. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, uh, uh, Napoleon ordered his forces to attack the Shevardino Redoubt, and they succeeded. After hours of fighting and heavy losses, uh, and the Russians refused to retreat without orders from Kutuzov. Um, now, eventually, those orders were given, and they retreated. After the Redoubt had been reduced to little more than a pile of corpses and couldn't be used by the French. Everything just coming up Russian. Now the the Shevardino Redoubt was uh, was was far away uh, was it was far enough away that they couldn't like actively shoot at one another from them. Uh, they could shell them, but like it was far enough away that you weren't like taking musket shots. But that did lead uh, the the French army to have to form up and wait for orders to attack the rest of the redoubts while under artillery fire, which is incredibly stupid. Uh, in preparation for the coming battle, as we've talked about before, the the soldiers all change into full dress uniform despite the fact that they were all definitely barefoot by now because they just marched another 250 fucking miles <laughs> I can see myself in that toe now one French officer joked that if Katuzov was able to put the battle off for just a few days he'd have won as the rest of his, rest of his soldiers would have dropped dead from hunger <laughs> nice uh, all the night before, Napoleon was out recounting the Russian positions from 2 a.m. until 9 a.m. Was he, though? Yeah, actually, he was riding back and forth on his horse. Um, I feel like he was probably like not looking at the Russian line. He was looking at something else, probably. Well, it was dark, so he couldn't see much. Uh, now, this had the, the unfortunate side effect of him literally working himself uh, into sickness. Um, and because it was dark, he had missed most of the Russian positions in the left flank in his final plans, as well as coming down with a mean cold, which remember, this is like not good at the time. Like colds will kill you in 1812. Yeah. Now we actually have his physician notes, uh, that, uh, notes that he fell ill and he could not urinate with the exception of a few drops, which were quote, oh, God. thick with sediment. Oh, <laughs> Our boy was stricken down with the chunky piss. <laughs> that, that dude had milkshake coming out of his dingling. <laughs> oh man! Like, and I mean, uh, that's Napoleon- like when I go to a bar and I fucking want to fuck around. I say, "Is this supposed to be chunky?" And people are in there just to see their reaction. Except his piss was chunky. Uh, now Napoleon did suffer from a uh, a problem that is retention of urine, uh, or known as. Chunky a milkshake. Uh, yeah. But a little chunky pee wouldn't slow down the emperor. And the next morning, he was uh, at the redoubt rallying his men for the coming battle. At 6 a.m., the battle began with an artillery duel uh, uh, of nearly 1,000 guns, uh, one that the Russians actually had a huge advantage in. Most, most of the tri- uh, troops committed to the opening stage of the battle were, had been getting shelled the entire time as they were within the Russian gun range. And they were just getting mauled. They stood there getting blown to pieces for the command to advance. Veteran soldiers laughed at the new ones who attempted to dodge the incoming cannonballs. As old soldiers' wisdom said, it was all kind of pointless, because if you're going to die, it's already decided, and you should just sit there and take it like a man. <laughs> They're probably like, fuck, kill me. I'm not dodging anything. I mean, they just didn't care. Um, also, it's, um, uh, it's important to point out, Veterans also had to tell these newer soldiers not to try to stop the cannonballs. So, like oh. when they when they hit when they hit the ground and said rolling, they actually looked at like they're moving kind of slow, and you could just kind of kick them out of the way. But in reality, they would still tear your fucking leg off or explode, just like the Patriot. Yeah, I mean that's actually the first thing that I thought of when I read that is like that that cannonball looked like it was moving really slow, but then it fucking ripped his goddamn leg off. Uh, finally, the order to advance is giving and storming into the village of Borodino before the Russians took it back in a counterattack. Oh, really? The Russians actually counterattacked? No, it was thought of that they might. Um, oh. Elsewhere, French forces charged into the redoubts, taking and losing them in quick succession, as the Russians immediately fought back in control of them. As soon as one French attack would falter, another one would be committed into the battle. As soon as the French took a position, they'd almost immediately lose this. And the, posi- and the reason for this was exactly how this whole thing was designed the russian redoubts uh, were built to be impossible to hold if you took them over they were shaped like v's with the point facing outwards and their backs open so if the french stormed one and took it they would then be defenseless as the supporting redoubts poured fire into them i mean that's a fucking genius design yeah also, like I said, the French scouting had been so bad that when they took one or two of these positions, they had no idea there was a third, fourth, and a fifth. 
which also immediately began to murder them in large numbers. So they but took then like they knew they yeah they were re- reconned by blood. Yes, uh, they took the first redoubt like oh fuck, there's a whole lot more of these. Each time this happened, the French simply launched another attack. Over the course of three hours, these positions would exchange hands no fewer than seven times. Oh. Each side's army would be killed off and replaced by the reserves, and the cycle would continue infinitely. Oh, I would hate to, like, if you're the third reserve unit, like, maybe it'll stop at my unit. Like, you you can't even see the positions anymore, because they're just all corpses. Fighting was so horrible that the muskets of the infantry would simply no longer fire. When I'm, so, if for people who are unaware, when a musket is fired um, it's so many times, it's the barrel gets full of unspent powder and debris. This is known as fouling. It makes them useless. So the only thing you could do is attach a bayonet and stab and club people to death. You can't shoot anything out of it. Oh, dude. I can imagine the dudes that had that. They said, all right, go charge. Go be yep. useful. This reduced. I would, just, I would go make sounds. Boom. <laughs> I would fall down and pretend to be wounded. <laughs> just fall down. <laughs> uh, this reduced just about everybody in the fray now, which is hundreds of thousands of people into stabbing and beating one another to death while artillery on both sides fired canister shot into the masses of troops at point blank range. <laughs> and then I got, you got me in the back. Boom. Pow. <laughs> Good job. You're the only working rifle. Yes, I am. It is a really good day to be in the artillery. I must say. <laughs> it's like that scene from Braveheart. Like, sir, if we open fire, We'll hit our own men. Like, yeah, but we'll hit some of theirs, too. <laughs> that sounds terrible. So by 10 a.m., the French had taken every single position once again, so Bagration ordered another counterattack. He was shot in the leg and thrown from his horse, uh, and it was eventually pulled from the battlefield. He would die of, of eventually of those wounds, but he was not dead yet, and rumors of his death began to race through his army causing Russian morale to plummet, but they refused to retreat because Bagration wasn't there to order them to retreat. So if he died, no orders given. Well, they thought he was dead and he was circling the drain pretty goddamn fast uh, because, you know, getting shot in the leg with a 50 caliber uh, uh, musket ball pretty much shatters the whole fucker. Right. And then he was thrown from his horse, which probably broke other shit. Um, But his men were, were real sad, but they still refused to retreat. I can only imagine that he actually did die. And they didn't retreat because they didn't get the order because he's dead. I mean, that's effectively what happened. Um, they wanted like the, their morale was shot, uh, but they they're like, well, nobody told us to run yet. So I guess we're staying here. We're just waiting for the word. <laughs> yep. So French forces under the command of Ney and Murat eventually captured the nearby town of uh, Savinoskoy. I think it's pronounced. I probably butchered it. This allowed them a perfect glimpse into the rear of the entire Russian army. There's a problem, though. They've been fighting for hours and they did not have the manpower to take advantage of this. Like, fuck, we can get reinforcements in here. Like, if they would have g- taken this route, they would have gone right into Katuzov's camp. Ooh. They sent messages back to Napoleon demanding that he commit the uh, Imperial Guard into battle, exploiting this gap. Now, but on the back of the letter is, do you like me? Yes or no? Circle yes or no. Uh, Napoleon just didn't respond. He probably circled maybe. Um, so he had been sitting where he had been sitting since the start of the battle. He could not see the gap that on, on the toilet, uh, trying to squeeze out a chunky pee. Um, he couldn't see the gap that, uh, that Ney and Mira had created because he was so far away. He couldn't see the battlefield, which was not like Napoleon. So instead of mounting his horse and looking for himself, something that he definitely would have done before, he just kind of sat there and did nothing. And be- because the French had no real overall chain of command, nothing got done without Napoleon. So that gap that Ney and Murat saw just sat there. See, Napoleon did that to his own army. And Nap- the- it turns out the uh, the greatest enemy of Napoleon's army is Napoleon. Pretty much. Because well, I mean, that's what I'm hearing. I don't like to like say what ifs a lot, but there's. Uh, it is hard to see a possibility where if he committed the, like the 25,000 man strong Imperial guard, which are his best troops to attack, you know, a senile old man in the rear of the entire Russian army, it would have changed the entire course. They're, of the war. they're only his best troops. Cause they have shoes at this point. They might, uh, they probably at least are, aren't so disgusting looking. They would defend the emperor, uh, because that was their whole point. But yeah, yeah. 
Thanks for the shoes. Meanwhile, the Russian camp Katuzov was doing kind of the same. Uh, he was just kind of sitting there. But when a Russian commander, any commander, ran for him to ask him for reinforcements, he would simply give them without really any coherent strategy other than just keep killing French soldiers. So, like, if somebody came to him, like, I need such and such at the right flank, yeah, yeah, go ahead and take it. There was no overall plan other than just keep plugging gaps. Just keep whatever we have to do, just keep fighting. Uh, according to Klaswitz, which was at, who at this point was acting as Katuzov second, but was really kind of commanding the entire defense at this point. Because remember, Katuzov is not, he's in a different fucking galaxy. He's chilling. The, he's, according to Klaswitz, he said the general uh, contributed virtually nothing to the running of the battle. Instead, he just kind of let his second do whatever he wanted, which turned out to be enough. Katuzov was so detached from the battle that it never dawned on him that he should place the commander of the ar- replace the commander of the artillery when he was killed. So Matt, so like when the the artillery commander got winged by a cannonball, nobody took com- took command of it. So a uh, massive Russian reserve just kind of sat around waiting for orders that wouldn't come. Uh, in- instead, he had himself uh, a picnic. He just kind of sat down and had lunch. Uh, Ooh, this caused I haven't had a picnic in a while. I don't think I've ever been. I I mean, like you sit down like a uh, like a a blanket and you eat from bat. I've definitely never done that. Uh, I'm worried about the bears. I'm more worried about just getting dirty. <laughs> this caused almost every officer of the Russian army to pass their own orders. Like, well, if we're not getting orders, we'll handle it ourselves. This t- this t- caused like total and complete confusion within the ranks, which. Actually, kind of worked. Um, many of the successful Russian counterattacks happened by pure luck, with two commanders who had the same idea running into each other along the way and just kind of teaming up. Hell yeah, that's fucking sweet. They Voltroned. Uh, yeah, like, oh, you're you're going to attack the right? I'm going to attack the right. Hell yeah, buddy. Where's the general? <laughs> Where's the general? Oh, he's having a picnic. Oh. Uh, other times when orders did get passed down, the officer the order landed with would just uh, like arrest the delivery person thinking it was some kind of spy. Uh-huh. So, yeah, the, the Russian army just kind of directed itself like a like a herd of cats. And it, it, I mean, you, you effective cats. It worked. It's, it's hard to see how it worked, but it worked. It is incredible to me that a 70 year old man who was a nearly 70 year old man who was not probably sure where he was out commanded Napoleon, but he did. <laughs> but by noon, the French attacks were grinding to a halt and the Revsky redoubt, oh, which was only this- noon. Yeah. Yeah. They've, but they've been fighting since 6 a.m. Yeah. Still, it's only noon. <laughs> so the Revsky redoubt, which was the center of the entire formation of, of the Russian defenses, was back in Russian hands with few French successes uh, uh, were were kind of localized like they would take something here they take something there but there's no never really any coherent push to take anything all at once and independent russian commanders popped up new lines of defenses wherever the line began to crumble it wasn't until 2 p.m that napoleon would order another attack on the center in two hours he sat there doing nothing while french forces were battered with artillery while waiting orders so, like, at this point, when the Russians retook the Revsky redoubt, the attack was not launched again. They pulled back and waited for two hours, getting shelled, while Napoleon is just squeezing out a drop of piss. You're just sitting there in the queue, just getting hammered. Yep. And there's actually, um, the, the, the first-hand accounts from the French soldiers are, like, so grim that they're just, like, sitting there. Um, and, uh, one guy said, I found a, uh, a bread crust in my uniform pocket. So I offered it to my friend next to me to split. And then my friend got hit in the face with a cannonball. So I rubbed his brain matter off it then ate the bread crust. Well, you know, you gotta be optimistic. <laughs> Ooh, more for me. <laughs> I'm like at this point, just leave the brain on, get some of them prions in you. Uh, now when Napoleon finally did launch the attack, on the readout, it began with a cavalry charge. Now, this probably wouldn't have worked, uh, but it was made easier by the fact that the anti-cavalry ditches that were dug had been filled with corpses during the battle, so they could just ride right over them. Oh, see? Effective. Yep. Meant this, to do oh, that. Oh, 
This opened a hole for the uh, infantry to pour into the redoubt uh, as well, taking it uh, from the Russians. When they did, they found Barclay's men had formed another defensive line right behind it, and they began firing back into them. This caused the French to fall back once again, and then they were raked with canister shot for good measure. Oh, fuck. By, uh, by now, both sides were thoroughly exhausted and resorted to firing artillery at one another once again, and no real offensives began to uh, be formed. Around 6 p.m., full 12 hours later, holy shit, the guns fell silent and the Russians withdrew. It was only then that Napoleon finally mounted a horse to survey the battlefield. The redoubts, ditches, and trenches had vanished, replaced by bo- piles of dead body, uh, dead bodies and dying people as far as he could see. Uh, there was like l- tens of thousands of wounded people just slowly dying everywhere. Wherever the line was held, it had been reduced to little more than a pile of corpses six to seven men deep. As reservists kind of stood on the bodies of the fallen to keep fighting only to die and add to the stack. Why are they saying All right, whatever. I mean, we have to look taller to scare it away. Well, I mean, they're, they were the line. So, like, if, if they weren't going to retreat, they didn't have orders to. When the reserves died, the line had to be replenished. So they just ended up turning into their own defense. I'll just stand behind the bodies at that point if it's some, six some, to seven deep. Some definitely did. That's uh, definitely cover. Um, now, the French won the field, as they always did. But they had won literally nothing. 29,000 men of the French army were dead and around that same amount wounded. Though, like we said before, being wounded was a death sentence. So, chalk that up. Oh, yeah. 49 generals were killed, along with 19... Holy shit. Along with 1,900 other officers. Now, to be fair, the Russians suffered about the same dead and wounded, and lost Prince Purgation, who died of his wounds. Now, this whole battle is kind of famously brought up by historian Gwyn Dyer. Uh, who describes the Battle of Borodino as if, quote, a fully loaded 747 crashing with no survivors every five minutes for eight hours. Huh. It was That's a, a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was the single bloodiest uh, day uh, of combat Napoleon would ever command throughout his entire life. And it would be the bloodiest day of European warfare all the way until the first day of the Somme in 1916. Holy shit. Napoleon's decision to not commit the Imperial Guard would not only cost him a real victory in this battle, it would cost him the entire war, his empire, his throne, and eventually his life. The victory at Borodino would be so costly that the Grand Army would never recover. Meanwhile, the Russians would abandon Moscow. When When the French army, haggard, starving, and mostly dead at this point, I assume they look like zombies from The Walking Dead. Ugh. They stumbled into the city on the 14th of September and found the entire city empty. We took it. (laughs) We took the capital. To make matters worse, it had been stripped of all food and supplies (laughs) and burnt to the ground. Now, there's actually some uh, historical argument here, whether the Russians set the fire or French soldiers set the fire on accident. And I think it's a little bit. I think it's a little bit of both. Um. Because there was definitely um, uh, people left behind to burn the city to the ground, but the fire probably wouldn't have been so big if there wasn't so many fires going all at once from the soldiers trying to stay warm or cook what little food they had. Uh, and the city is mostly wood. So, or just so, the French troops coming in, like the first ones coming in on a recon, knocking over another lantern. Yeah, that's kind of one of the theories that happened is that they were searching a house and knocked a lantern over. Um, what? But, but also, there's a, there's a fair amount of evidence with like dispatches and stuff that the Russians definitely ordered the city burnt to the ground. Um, so there was Napoleon sitting in a dead city, capturing the capital. No victories, no czar. Sitting on a statue like, I did this. And that began Napoleon's descent into madness. And that is where we'll pick up next week. This episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I've I think more people have died in this episode than probably any other episode. It's hard to tell. Uh definitely more cities get burnt down. So we got that going. Yeah, that's for sure. So uh thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you for supporting the show. Um you've probably noticed at this point due to the pandemic that is sweeping the globe and people having uh you know being um like Nick being quarantined, not being able to do much, um, or being short of money. Because they can't work, 
Uh, we've began um, we've begun releasing our back catalog of bonus episodes um, to to try to help with that boredom. I know it's not much. We can't do. We're a fucking podcast. We can't do much to help with this. Um, but hopefully, uh, us laughing at dumb movies or video games can bring some levity into being locked into your house for the until the fucking who knows when. Um, so Nick, hopefully you get off quarantine. Uh, and, and, and you, and you can join me for part five in the studio until then skin to skin. Uh, that what happens in the studio stays. We've, we've talked about this, uh, more like my skin to your hair than skin. (laughs) I am Armenian. So, uh, it, it's actually my, um, my layer of protection. Um, now, if you like what we do on the show and you you haven't been somehow laid off uh, or or fired, um, you can support the show. Uh, so I mean that's about as optimistic as this show gets. Um, but again, we will see you next week for part five and Napoleon's ascent into madness in Moscow. Nice. Later, everybody. <laughs>